Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. The wait is over, football is back, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Ike, we're now five weeks into the season, four games for the Steelers, but it, we're more than a quarter of the way through, and Pittsburgh already off to a 4-0 start, but you can get in on the action with game spreads, totals, team props, player props, coaching props. It's all available at betonline.ag. Yeah, I got to give another shout-out all the time for Bet Online. you know, for sponsoring our show. At the same time, since you're talking about Pittsburgh, Mark and Mark, I'm sitting in Pittsburgh as we speak. My cousin just had a baby boy, so congrats to my cousin Ryan. So, yeah, I'm sitting at his crib right now doing the podcast in Sixburg, as they would say. Well, congrats to your family member, Ike, and boots on the ground in the Steel City. That's my guy, Ike Taylor, number 24. But Ike, Bet Online also has this casino that never closes either. And so that's something that we always talk about. I know <laughs> you always mention the store where you grew up in the New, in Orleans, New Orleans area. Yeah, they call the, it. They, they, got call a pool, they got a pool boy shop called We Never Close. So you might as well go to bed online because ain't nobody closed over there either. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. Ike, victory Monday, 4-0. This Steelers team, it feels great. And really, the headline was, this was Chase Claypool's coming out party. Four touchdowns against the Eagles on Sunday. Yeah, I, I tweeted after they won two words, Chase Claypool. That was my tweet. And if you watched the game or if you didn't watch the game, after you watched the highlights of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Philadelphia Eagles game, you already knew what I was talking about. Three touchdowns receiving, one touchdown rushing. And what I liked about the one touchdown rushing part was he stuck his foot in the ground, got north and south, and didn't mind trying to get some of that contact, which some of the guys on the Philadelphia Eagles team didn't want no part of that. Chase Claypool, that's the tweet. That's all you needed to know. And are we going to have to give him a nickname? I've heard Mapletron going around a little bit just because he's from Canada. But four touchdowns for a rookie, like four touchdowns, I don't care who you are, is impressive. Again, I feel like he's shown flashes up into this point to what he's capable of, but played out of his mind and really bailed out the defense on Sunday. So we go back to training camp with Joe Hayden, and we had this conversation Months ago, Mark, when I said I listened to what the players have to say about other players, or like players acknowledge and see good talent, great talent, or a dog just in general. And that's the first word Joe Hayden said, like, this dude is going to be hell whenever he figures it out. And now you see it, now you wonder why. You know, he just saw some Joe Hayden had to go against this guy pretty much every day in training camp. And as a season, 
vet going against a young stud like Chase Claypool, you see what he brings to the table. Yeah, Claypool, seven receptions, 110 yards, three receiving touchdowns. He had that rushing touchdown on the ground as well. Are you cool with Mapletron? I'm cool with Mapletron. I think that's cool and gives a shout out to his Canadian heritage too. I don't know if maybe like CC. I don't know what we could go for a nickname, but I'm cool with Mapletron. What about you, Ike? I come up with something. Next time we talk about Chase, because I don't think this is going to be the first or the last time we talk about Chase. Next time we talk about Chase, I'm going to come up with a nickname, but his height, his size, his speed, but just look at his football IQ. It's hard for a rookie to come in and play multiple positions, you know, at that wide receiver. What I did like about Coach Randy, the OC, Coach Randy put him in the outside, he lined him up in the inside, and the only way you can play multiple positions if you're a wide receiver, if you know the playbook and you know what you're doing and you feel like you have some kind of rhythm with the quarterback. Obviously, I think it was the quarter, it, it was the receiver for that day because that's what seven big men likes to do. If he feels like you're hot, he's coming to you 24-7. And Chase was hot yesterday. So Chase got a good end of the bargain. He got a good end of the stick. But what I did like about Chase and it showed me a lot about Chase was Chase was lining up inside and out. And the only way you can do that as a player, let alone a young rookie receiver, you have to know what you're doing 24-7. And we talked about this a little bit with how stacked this draft class was with receivers, with the guys out of Alabama, uh, some of the talent out of LSU, C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. And we talk about how well the Steelers draft at the receiver position year after year after year after year. I know it's early. I know the Steelers have only played four games this season. Most teams have played five, but this might be cream of the crop with what was considered a loaded receiver class. And all these teams have to be scratching their head like, how did this kid from Notre Dame, who's looked really, really good thus far this season, how did he slip to the second round at Pittsburgh? In Pittsburgh, yet again, I, you say this week after week after week after week. They get that cold-weather receiver, and you see what it does, and it pays dividends. Can't wait to see what this guy does in the coming weeks because if that was any indication of what he's capable of, of what he did to the Eagles, I think the Steelers got a good one in Chase Claypool. Antoine Randall L., Indiana. Plexico Burris, Michigan State. Santonio Holmes, Ohio State. Even A.B. A.B. played in a cold-weather state. So, yeah, when you when you talk about Pittsburgh and you talk about being a receiver, for the most part, man, they draft the receivers that play in cold weather states because when it comes down to the November, December, January, February, it's going to be cold in Pittsburgh. And these receivers got to be used to it. They got to embrace it. They got to acknowledge it. And they got to be willing to play. What I like about Chase was wasn't what he was doing at Notre Dame when it came down to the receiving part. He was doing everything to want to part, and that was the blocking. And when we saw Chase Claypool get drafted, it was, okay, this is his other special thing he does well, and that was the blocking part. So basically, you're showing me you're a team player one when you block because you're not getting the ball and you don't have to, but you're willing to do it, one. Two, you're showing me you're unselfish, and that's what you need when it comes down to it because Chase might not see a full touchdown weekend, to like week 12 or week 14, or maybe for the playoffs, you just never know. But it shows me the physicality and the mental mindset of Chase 
he's going to do whatever it takes to help his team. And he nearly had five touchdowns too, Ike, because remember the one was called back for what they said was offensive pass interference. And your guy Damashek was tweeting about, oh, what an atrocious call it was. And at first it was like, okay, is Sheck just being a homer? Is he just being a yinzer? And I'll say this. I've seen a lot worse from either the defensive side or the offensive side not get called than what Claypool got called for. Maybe a bit of rookie treatment, but he very, he very nearly had five touchdowns is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, Chase just he, – he's a, he's a little bit different, man. And what I mean by different, he's a right-now factor as a rookie. You know, he, he's not playing as a rookie. And I don't think – I don't think we – I think he's playing like a veteran as a rookie. And the reason why, because he's so hard in his playbook, he understands football, he understands coverages. Everything else is just a bonus for him. The Pittsburgh Steelers and Big Ben. You know, Big Ben got an arsenal full of receivers, whether you want to go Dante, James Washington, Chase Claypool, Juju, and now they got another youngster, number 14. So really they're like five when you want to talk about the wide receiver positions. And we're not even going to get into the tight ends, you know. But like we were saying earlier, it's just on seven on who he wants to throw to and the feel of the game, whether he feels like he likes the tight end versus linebacker matchups or the corner and the safety versus wide receiver matchups. So right now, man, I'm going to keep saying this, and I think everybody's starting to pay attention to it. If it's one position to Pittsburgh still a draft well, regardless on what round it is, it's the wide receiver position. Yeah, the best receiver the Steelers have drafted since Deontay Johnson a year ago. So there you go with the Steelers in the pipeline that they have at the receiver position. Four touchdowns for Chase Claypool. He became the first rookie Steelers player to do that. He also became the first rookie in NFL history to score three receiving touchdowns and have one rushing touchdown in one game. I know Chase Claypool on Twitter, we were talking nicknames earlier he put out 7 for his, his number oh, and Big open. Ben's number. Yeah, so that might be, you know, a, a combo nickname. A combo like nickname. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like it. I like it. It rings a bell. Plus, when you give your, your quarterback props, you put them in your tweets and stuff, you know, he's going to dab you up. He's going to give you a little extra look. Maybe when he shouldn't throw the ball your way, he's going to throw the ball your way because you said, man, 7-11, Big Ben is 7, and Chase Claypool is 11. Man, I'm always open. Ike, I want to go back to one of the points you made earlier. You were talking about where he lined up from a position standpoint. One of his touchdowns, he's lined up in the slot, and they had a linebacker trying to guard him from a defensive standpoint. There was a safety over the top, but you could just tell. I, I can't remember if it was a slant pass or a post pass, but the linebacker had no chance of trying to catch him just from a speed standpoint. And so there you go. You go back to – all of the offensive skill position players the Steelers team has, and you find which matchup you can exploit. So now in future weeks, if teams decide they want to put their best corner on Claypool, they can decide to do that. And they were doing that times with Slay on Sunday with the Eagles. Or, okay, if you want to take away Claypool, that opens things up for Deontay. Or if you want to take away Deontay, maybe we can get the running game going or the tight ends going. So it's kind of a pick your poison from the defensive side of the ball in going up against this Steelers offense. The scary thing, Ben is in the matrix and he's seeing everything. You know, if, if you saw him adjust to a man blitz that was doing and him and James Washington on that, on that crossing route came open ASAP. So 
it's going to be hard to kind of slow this offense down, especially if Ben wants to just throw the ball. Because now the young guys, and I think the only seasoned guy right now is Juju. And what is going on, Juju, fourth year? So Juju is still a baby. Juju came in the league at a young age. But at the same time, I and, I, and I'm going to say this again, like seven getting hurt, Ben getting hurt last year, kind of helped him out in seeing what he had to work with, which when it came down to receivers, you know, he, he, he get to reflect back and him having that with his COVID and training camp and getting the reps and having them camaraderie going on with the receivers is, is you starting to see, but the scary thing is though, he got a young receiving core. So hopefully Pittsburgh in some sort of fashion, man, they can hold all these guys because I don't think all four or five of these guys going to be here at one time. I think Ben understands what he have at that wide receiver position. And right now for that team, that's the strength of the team. And they're just so young. So the sky's the limit for them. And I think Seven understand it. I think really us talking, I was talking to my homeboy today, him and I were talking. I think with the receiver core Big Ben has, it's going to put some extra years on them because those guys are so young, but they have a high football IQ. Yeah, we talk about Juju all the time. He's only 23. He'll turn 24 next month. And he's considered the elder statesman in that receiving that receiver room just considering all the young talent that the Steelers have as receivers and you can really see a lot of the playing time that these guys got a season ago where they weren't as established and the offense did struggle but you're seeing that pay off now this season and I think that's huge I think that's huge that they got those reps and they got more of that timing and working with quarterbacks who aren't as talented as Big Ben that aren't future Hall of Fame quarterbacks like Big Ben to know what it takes to succeed in this league. And we always talk about the receivers blocking downfield and how that's a want to and what that can do for your team. It just happened to be that Chase Claypool was the guy on Sunday. I'm looking forward to see what this offense can do in the coming weeks because Deontay's going to have his week. James Conner has had a few hundred yard games on the ground at this point. So it's just going to be, again, from the defensive standpoint, pick your poison of who you want to try to shut down, and then that opens things up for whichever guy you decide to put in a one-on-one matchup. As a defense coordinator, it, it, you're, you're damn near about to force me. If seven in this wide receiver crew keep playing the way they play, you're going to force me just to play straight up because anybody can anybody can score 70 on me. We just seen Juju do it, do it a few times. He did it one time. In Detroit, he did another time with the Denver Broncos when they played at Mile High. We didn't see Deontay get loose plenty of times. Now we're seeing Chase Claypool get loose. James Washington, he can get loose when he wants to if the time is right. So if you force me to play straight up and you're going to ask me to go the hard way, it's going to be easy for me because I got four to five receivers that can get open all the time. And that's what I think what's going to happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ike, the Steelers 4-0 for the first time since 1979. Steelers went on to win the Super Bowl that year as well. And they've got the Cleveland Browns this upcoming week. I cannot wait for this matchup because it'll be the first time that Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett has gone up against the Steelers since last November's brawl with Mason Rudolph. Ike, that was probably the most heated you and I got going back and forth arguing what should happen with Garrett, with Rudolph, and the rest of the players involved in that brawl. But I cannot wait to watch this one. 
The Cleveland Browns, Ike, are 4-1 and one, off to their best start since 1994. And in 94, who was the head coach of the Browns back then? Bill Belichick, the team's defensive coordinator, Nick Saban. So that shows you how long it's been since this Browns team has achieved the success that it has through five games this season. I cannot wait to watch this AFC North matchup on Sunday. So I'm sure when everybody talk about the Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're looking at offense. But I'm looking at the defensive side because that's what's going to win the game. So when you look at the between the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, I think they got the most first-rounders sitting on that defensive side. Cleveland, of course, have been drafting their first-round draft picks. So is Pittsburgh, but I think Pittsburgh got a few draft picks through free agency when you want to talk about Mink and Joe Hayden. You know, they wasn't drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. But on both sides, the defenses have been playing well. Both of them have flaws. And sometimes in the secondary, on both teams, between Cleveland and Pittsburgh Steelers, you can find holes because they are so aggressive on trying to stop the run and getting to the quarterback. So this is going to be the battle of the two outside linebackers and the D linemen. That's just how it's going to be. Whoever have the most sacks for this game is going to win the ball game. That's just my opinion. I don't think I'm wrong at all with that. I think it's a line of scrimmage game on Sunday with the Browns. And that was a clear point of their front office this offseason. They drafted Jadrick Wills, the left tackle out of Alabama. And they bring in Jack Conklin as a right tackle, a guy who helped pave the way for Derrick Henry's rushing title a season ago. Wyatt Teller, the Browns' right guard, has played out of his mind this season. And so that has been the strength of this Browns team, even without Nick Chubb, who went down in the Dallas game with a knee injury. And so for me, it's how does Cam Hayward, how does TJ Watt, how does Bud Dupree stack up against this Browns line that has been very good this season. And this Browns team has been best when they commit to the run and they don't abandon the run. The one loss that the Browns have had this season was in week one, a blowout against the Ravens. They go down by double digits and they are forced to abandon the running game which is their strength, even without Nick Chubb, because you've got Kareem Hunt in the backfield. He led the league in rushing in 2017, so he's a very talented back in his own right. Dearness Johnson has played really well for the Browns this season as well, too. And so for me, it's how, how do the two teams' lines at the line of scrimmage, that battle, I think, determines the outcome in Sunday's game. And I can't wait to watch this because Steelers' defense has forced offenses into doing things that they don't normally do this season. They've been successful at that. But the Browns have made upgrades on their line, and that has been the team's strength. And it hasn't been relying on Baker Mayfield either. A lot of people say, well, we want to see the Heisman winner. We want to see the guy who is the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. There aren't that many blue chip quarterbacks in the league, Ike, and Baker Mayfield doesn't need to do that for the Browns team to succeed. But to watch TJ Watt, to watch Dupree go up against these Browns tackles, that's the matchup I'm watching come Sunday. Other than Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt is one of the other hottest running backs that's going on right now. It just so happened he had to split time with another stud called Nick Chubb. So I think between the tandem, between the one-two punch, there is no better running back tandem than Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But Kareem, before Nick Chubb was doing this thing at KC, before he got into this incident, and he was on his way. So you can only imagine what KC would have looked like with Kareem Hunt, if you know what I'm saying. So I think it's going to be the D-line that's going to determine 
and when I say D line, I'm I'm talking about outside linebackers as well. Of course, they run a four three over it up with the Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh run a three four sometimes a four three. But I think the outside linebackers, and I really do believe, which is kind of odd because I'm really not a huge fan of sacks. But whoever had the most sacks is going to determine, you know, field position with the quarterbacks. And I think this is this is this is going to be a big field position. Now Baker, Baker is doing what he needs to do, and that's handing the ball off, play action pass, and that's opening a lot of windows for Baker. That's why you start to see the the, the deep passes with the OBJs, and you start to see Jarvis getting the intermediate routes, working the slot, working the pile line. So Hooper at a tight end position. Like, if you look at it, they, they looking at each other in the mirror when you want to talk about, you know, between tight ends and wide receivers. I think Pittsburgh just have more depth at that wide receiver position. But when you want to go tight end for tight end, man, you can go tight end for tight end on both teams. When you want to talk about running backs, you can go pound for pound with, with both teams. I think Pittsburgh is deeper at running backs, but the two studs they got, it's hard to match up with those kind of guys between Chubbs and Kareem Hunt. So I think it's going to be a good matchup. I think this – the AFC North, for the most part, have the toughest, you know, the, the toughest division, you know. So between the Ravens, the, the Cleveland Browns, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, Right now, we're looking at 4-1. We're looking at 4-0. We're looking at 4-1. That's pretty impressive for a division. I think, you know, looking at the AFC division, especially AFC North, 11-5, you might be a wild card just in the AFC, period. You know, because you got KC there on top, Pittsburgh there on top. But if you look at the AFC North position, you got three teams that are 4-1. You got one is, you got one team, which is Pittsburgh, that's 4-0. You know what I'm saying? Then you then you go over there with the with the Raiders. Like if you just go up and down with this AFC division, man, that wild card ten and six, you might you might slide in the dough for that wild card at ten and six. But the way that this AFC has been playing, man, this AFC has been playing like the AFC of old. So this is gonna be a nice little matchup between Pittsburgh, and this is gonna be for the for the Cleveland Browns. This is gonna be where are we as a organization when they play the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's what I think in my mind. Lots to unpack there, Ike. I'll start with the AFC North. I am with you there. I think this is the toughest division in the entire NFL now. I know the NFC West gets its due credit year after year with how competitive that division is, but I look at it from this standpoint. If I'm an opposing quarterback and I have to go up against either Steelers defense or the Ravens defense, good luck. Then even if I have to go up against the Browns, who are young and up and coming and playing the way that many people thought that they would headed into the 2019 season, I've got to go up against Miles Garrett, who you can't block one-on-one off the edge. You said something earlier, Ike, and I'm so happy you said it. You said that you feel like sacks are overrated. Part of the reason what makes Miles Garrett a great player, makes TJ Watt a great player, makes Bud Dupree very good to great as how he's played the last year or so is not just the sacks. It's the quarterback pressures as well. It's the quarterback hits. It's the hurries. It's the plays where, okay, they might not get there for the official sack, but they're still influencing the game. And especially off the edge to where if you have to allocate a running back or a tight end to chip 
that defensive end or outside linebacker to slow them off the edge. Okay, you have to then allocate two, maybe sometimes three personnel to that outstanding player off the edge. And you've got a game plan for a game record like that. And that to me is absolutely huge, especially when you consider, especially with the Browns, their linebacking core and secondary is younger. So if you're able to have someone put pressure on the quarterback when the opposing offense is passing the ball, that makes things easier for everyone's job on the back end to where you can play coverage more aggressively. You don't have to cover as long as you would with just an average or below average pass rush. And so that's why, to me, Sunday's game is really going to come down to the line of scrimmage of who can win those battles. We can talk skill position players all you want to, whether it's the running backs, the receivers on both teams, but really to me, it's going to be a line of scrimmage game on Sunday against Cleveland. Yeah, between Pittsburgh and Cleveland, this this is a, a defensive line slash linebacker shootout. Which, which, whichever front seven plays the best, that's the team will, will win on Sunday between the two. 100%. And I think if you're the Steelers, you want to try to get an early lead and get the Browns out of running the ball, which is, again, what they do best. And their first-year head coach, Kevin Stefanski, he's called his first five games really, really well because he also calls the plays. But we know from his time a year ago, he was the Vikings offensive coordinator in 2019. What did he do in Minnesota? He ran the football. He uses multiple tight end sets. The only two teams that ran the ball more than the Vikings last season, Ike, were the San Francisco 49ers. They went to the Super Bowl. And the Baltimore right. Ravens, they broke the rushing record and went 14-2 and two during the regular season. Yeah, when you look at Cleveland head coach Kevin, coach Kevin Stefanski, and you – and you see where he where he's coming from, and that's Minnesota. One thing you understand about Minnesota is they play good defense and they run the ball. And damn, look at what you know the Cleveland Browns are doing. You wind up getting Kareem Hunt last year. You understanding what he have to do? He had to sit out for a couple of games. Then you draft Nick Chubb. Then even though you have a good tight end in the Joku, you wind up getting another tight end. You draft the tight end. You, you get an offensive lineman in free agency, so you draft, the, you draft another tackle. He's building this team as if he was in, you know, w- with the Vikings, but at the same time, his outside guys are a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? So he's doing a heck of a job. So, like you say, the defense is, is real young from the linebacker to the secondary standpoint, and they're not going to do nothing but get better with that defensive line. So... I think he's doing a good job. People forget, man, this is his first year, no training camp during COVID, and he's still trying to figure his team out. His team is still trying to figure him out. And to be 4-1 and one at this standpoint is pretty damn good. 100%. And Baker Mayfield last season, say what you want about him. He was running for his life last season. He sacked 40 times and like, it's only 16 games. So you do the math there on how many times he's getting sacked and hit. He's running for his life. And I know he even said this, that, he put on weight to make sure he could try to survive because of the pounding that he took game after game after game after game. And that's the reason why this team upgraded its offensive line. And I can't wait for the showdown on Sunday because there's still going to be some bad blood with Miles Garrett. I don't think we're going to oh, see yeah. 
any kind of brawl or repercussions or anything, but I do think it could get pretty chippy and it always will against an AFC North rival, if you will. And, And I cannot wait to see you've got kind of more of the establishment. I know Pittsburgh was 500 last season, but getting big Ben back, we kind of expected this team to regroup here in 2020, Ike coming into the season, but with Cleveland, no one really knew what to expect coming into this season. And so you kind of got Cleveland as the upstart. The one thing I will say with this division, Ike, which helps, I think, both the Steelers and the Browns and the Ravens is we now have seven teams per conference that make the playoffs, which is the first time that the league has done that. The league has, sure. has expanded its playoff format. So what that means is you could have three teams from the AFC North make playoffs now the possibility of that that's a whole nother discussion but there is a possibility of that now which before with the 16 format you could have okay your division winner and then you'd have to make the wild card but only two teams per division were able to make it under the old rules under the new rules conceivably you could have three teams from the same division make the postseason and it's never been that way until this season yeah the three teams in the AFC North keep doing what they're doing and I'm talking about looking at it like quarterly and how GMs look at their organization and coaches look at their organization. Every four games, if we go three and one, we're going to be 12 and four. And that's going to put us in a good position. And right now with the AFC North, that's exactly what they're doing. You know, Pittsburgh right now got a one game head start because they haven't lost yet. But the other two between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns, they, they, they four and one right now. So like I say, man, you possibly can have three teams out of one position, I'm looking at the AFC North that can get into the playoffs, which would be scary. And especially considering all the team style of play, Ike, I know you always say this, it's the cold weather teams, the teams that run the ball and play stout defense. And unless you have a true blue chip quarterback, a Mahomes, a Russell Wilson, we could go through the list. There aren't that many though. It's what are the things that you can do to ensure success? And I think all three of those teams thus far in 2020 have done that. Yeah, between Cleveland, Baltimore, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, right now they're all playing good defense. Between Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and the Baltimore Ravens, they all have a nice little running game. Between Now, the X factor is Lamar Jackson. You know, Pittsburgh doesn't have a Lamar Jackson but they have a two-time Super Bowl champion, a seasoned veteran in Big Ben. Baker Mayfield is still trying to put a blueprint on his name, but he have a good running game, a nice little defense, and some pretty good receivers, if you know what I'm saying. So everybody's bringing something different to the table, but for the most part, we're talking defense and running game. I'm curious to see how Mayfield plays in this game, considering he's in his third year. Remember, he came into the same class in the 2018 class as Sam Darnold, and the Browns are going to have to decide, okay, do we want to pick up that fifth-year option? Again, he's in year three right now, so there's still some time to sort all of that out. But is he the answer in Cleveland? Because I, we've talked about this Steelers-Brown matchup over and over and over again. And last year, in the Freddie Kitchens era, when John Dorsey was still the Browns' GM, we asked ourselves, and you always say this, Ike, that the game's not played on paper, but we were looking at this Browns team, and it's like, okay, you've got two of everything. You've got the two receivers. You've got two good running backs. Now they have two, you could argue, three good tight ends. They've got some, some great players on defense, whether you want to talk about a Miles Garrett or a Denzel Ward. 
And we, we always ask, I would always be like, how is this team six and 10 a season ago? And really we were at a loss for it. And then this year they're finally able to put it together and you're going to have quite the matchup Sunday. I think I would favor Pittsburgh to win this game in week six, considering we saw what the top dogs, I still consider the Ravens the top dogs in the AFC North, but I'm excited to see all the AFC North teams play one another. I cannot wait for that Pittsburgh-Baltimore game because I just want to see how these teams stack up against one another. A quarter of the season, you can kind of get an idea how some of these teams are, but you can't control who you play. I want to see this Steelers team go against the best of the best, and I think that the Browns are, are right there. They're right on the cusp of that this season. Well, with Coach Freddie Kitchens with the Cleveland Browns, I thought he was more of an uncle. I didn't think he was a dad. And to be a head coach in the NFL, you got to have more of a dad mentality. The players got to respect you. You know, the players got to understand. The players got to buy into what you're trying to do with the offense, defense, and the organization. But they now, of course, he's, he's the dad, and they understand he's the dad. And regardless of whether you have talent like an OBJ or Jarvis Landry, Hey, man, the, the, the recipe to Cleveland right now is running the ball. That's what's going to get y'all open is running the ball. And y'all probably be part of the run game. Just look at what OBJ did against the Dallas Cowboys, you know. So you got to buy into it. And that's how I always start when you talk about a head coach. When head coach try to come in and be the uncle, it's not going to work because you look at the uncle like having fun, kind of getting away with stuff you wouldn't be able to do with your dad. When you want to talk about dad, dad is – Dad, dad is the enforcer. So right now I think they have an enforcer and guys are buying into what, it, what he's trying to do to their offense. And with Freddie Kitchens, that's not to say he couldn't be a position coach. He's now a tight ends coach for the Giants or say a coordinator. I know he's a running backs coach for the Browns for at least a year before he actually got the head coaching job there in 2019. But when you're running the ball on fourth and nine, when you're purposely taking a false start penalty on a fourth and 11 and then putting your offense back out on the field to try to convert, like I said this time and time again, when you have management or lack thereof to that level, I don't care if it's NFL, I don't care if it's college, high school down to Pop Warner, those are just decisions you cannot make. And you always say this time, too, you say, Sometimes the moment is too big for certain people. And certainly that was the case because we had a sample size, a 16 game sample size of that last season time and time again, whether it was making stupid clock management decisions or having your star players cuss you out on the sidelines. You never see that with the, the top elite coaches in this league. And you saw that a year ago with Freddie Kitchens. I tell you what, with Stefanski and the Browns this season, other than that week one game where the Ravens trounced the Browns. And in that game, Stefanski ran a fake punt early on. And it was like, what are the Browns doing? He's been pretty flawless in his decision-making, which again, for a first year guy, not having OTAs, not having a regular training camp, not having a preseason. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. And the Steelers will have their hands full. This is not the same Browns team we've seen in years past. And I feel like with this Browns team, we keep saying things where when they were three and one, okay, Browns are three and one for the first time since 2001. Now four and one, four and one for the first time since 94. 
we keep saying this because they are improved. And I, I, I'm telling you this right now because for as long as I've been alive, the Browns haven't been this good as they are thus far through five games. No, so far they're a complete team. And they got the they got exciting talent on that team. But it's the it's still the old old school, boring, run the ball, play good defense, Tennessee Titans. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the Pittsburgh, not Pittsburgh, I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns, like the Tennessee Titans. Like they're gonna run the ball, they're gonna play good defense, but it just so happened they got two studs at the wide receiver and two studs at the tight end position. That's that's just how it is, but we're gonna make the playoffs. And we're we're gonna try to go deep in what we do. It's not gonna look good during the regular season. You're not gonna like us. Um, yeah, I got some deep threats. I got some guys who can make big plays, splash plays in between OBJ and, and Jarvis Landry. But this is our identity, and that's running the damn ball. And that's and, and that's gonna be our blueprint. So, you know, just from us just talking about it, that's how I look at the Cleveland Browns like a, a Tennessee Titans. You know, between Corey Davis and company, they have two young star receivers. Um, you can go too deep when you want to talk about Derrick Henry and company. And I'm not going to ask my quarterback to do too much. I'm just going to ask my quarterback to make the plays he needs to make. And that's that's what it is right now. So um, it's, 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 it's not cute. It's not pretty. But it's very effective. And it gets you to, to this record you have right now, which is 4-1. Steelers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, Ike. I will take the Steelers to cover on Sunday. What, what's your prediction for Sunday? The over-under is at 51. Uh, but, again, the Steelers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Who you got Sunday? Uh, Pittsburgh. Until I think Pittsburgh finds somebody. Until I think Pittsburgh run up against somebody, I'm going with Pittsburgh. I just like Pittsburgh just establishing Chase Claypool. I think Chase is the X factor. You know, I think the young guy is the X factor. I think he makes you play them straight up from here on out. We haven't talked about Vance McDonald yet. I think Vance is going to get his time off with a few mishaps off of Eric Ebram. I think Vance will get a lot more throws from the last game from E. Ebram. So that's 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 what it is right now, man. I think right now I'm just going to I'm gonna rock with Pittsburgh. I think they have the guys that can get to the quarterback ASAP. And that's Bud, and that's, you know, T.J. White. You know, I think they're using Vince now. Well, Vince is good for Vince Williams, and that's blitzing and getting to the quarterback. All he want to do is FaceTime and hit people in the face. So they're getting back to the old Pittsburgh of old, old little old Mike Hilton. You see him coming off the edges and, and making plays. So he's like another six blitzer. So that's just what it is, man. I think overall in general, Pittsburgh got a position that which is – Good for the Cleveland Browns. They had a position, and I don't know if Nick Chubbs is going to be healthy. Just Kareem Hunt by itself is hell. Now, if Nick Chubbs is playing, I might differ my thoughts when it comes down to this game, you know. But if Nick Chubbs don't play, I'm taking Pittsburgh. I'm happy you mentioned Mike Hilton. And whenever Pro Bowl voting starts later this season, we've got to get that guy to the Pro Bowl because he's played so well. I know he had another sack on Sunday and you know what Hilton had he led the team in tackles on Sunday with eight he had eight tackles and so he's you know in that nickelback position just flying around making plays he's played so well he's played as any as well as any defensive player for the Steelers this season and he's nothing but what five nine five ten and sub 200 yeah like not even like for real like five seven for real like he he's the unsung hero 
and I think we I made this statement and somebody said something when I posted it, like, what about TJ White? TJ White or TJ White? TJ gonna handle his business all the time. But to be able to play in space, it's hard to play in space. And it's hard to find nickel guys who can come up and be good run supporters. He's a hell of a run supporter. So, you know, that's 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 just what I like about, you know, Mike, Mike Hilton, man. He's just a damn football player. You know, he's he's a he's the honey badger's cousin. So say. You know, he's not <laughs> honey badger, but he's he's re, he's related to honey badger. You know, honey badger is not a big guy at all, but he plays six twelve. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> And that's how I look at Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton isn't a big guy, but he plays six <laughs> six. So that's just how it is. Uh, small guys, a stature, stature, all dogs with a big heart. I like that because Mike Hilton's played consistently. He earns the nickname before Chase Claypool. I got you, Ike. I see what you, I see what you're doing, my man. I see what you're all doing, right, Mark, but. But yeah, uh, the Honey Badger's cousin. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, Chase Claypool. If any listeners have nickname recommendations, reach out to us for that. I like Mapletron. I think 7-Eleven is pretty cool with uh, Big Ben. But Ike, we do have a five-star review to read from a listener. And this comes from D.A. Glover and okay. says, Ike Taylor, you will Forever be one of my favorite Steelers ever. Five star review from DA Glover. So thanks, appreciate thanks for that. DA. There. Yeah, yeah. So, so DA, man, I appreciate that. I love getting the five star reviews from right. listeners and let us know what questions you have. Give us feedback because that helps improve our show week in and week out. But Ike, this is always so much fun and just talking football. It's always better on a victory Monday as well, but. I always have so much fun doing with this you week in and week out and just what a season it's been already through five weeks, four games for the Steelers. And again, undefeated for the first time since 1979. And we know how that season ended. Good times ahead in Pittsburgh. Want to give a shout out, you know, to the five-star review. Want to give a shout out to Bet Online. Give a shout out to Marky Mark, my co-host. Pittsburgh is 4-0. Right now, haven't been that way since 1979. Last time they did that, they won a Super Bowl. So we shall see. But it's looking good for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Want to give a shout out to everybody who has been tuning in to Market Market now on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Appreciate all the love and support and the viewership. So next time we see y'all will be soon. Love y'all in peace. I'm going to let Market Mark close it out, though. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. Again, go give us that five-star review, and we'll read it here on the show. Take care. So long, everyone, and enjoy the week six action. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.